We are living in unprecedented times. No matter what industry you come from, we must all review, rethink, and reinvent ourselves. Are you an entrepreneur that is trying to adapt your business to the new norm? Well, you are listening to the 2020 Entrepreneur, a podcast that will motivate you and have you think outside of the box. My name is Hugo Almeida, and with over 30 years of being an entrepreneur, I am here to share and inspire you with my experiences and help invent a new you. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to a new episode of T20E World. Hugo here. I'm excited today because I have a friend with me here, Joe Fisher, the founder and owner of Manskirt Brewing Company in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Joe, welcome to T20E World, and thanks for showing up at our studios. How you doing, Joe? You know what? I'm doing great. Thanks for having <laughs> me here, Hugo. Oh, it's awesome, and I appreciate you being here. So, Joe, let's just start off learning a little bit about you. Well, all right. I'm Joe Fisher, as you said. I grew up on Staten Island. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Back know, in the day. <laughs> moved out to New Jersey in about 2000. Okay. Uh, got married. And, uh, you know, I kind of fell in love with the state. I know a lot of people rag on New Jersey, but we live up here in, in Hackettstown in the woods, and it is absolutely gorgeous up here. And it I, really is. I, it is completely my home now. Yeah. It's funny because I don't live far from there, right? I live on the other side of the mountain. But when I get there, it is really nice. And I don't know much about Hackettstown, but the more I go, the more I fall in love with it. I love to hear that. Yeah, no, it's true. It's pretty exciting there. It's so many things are happening. There's a, if you walk just the, the main street, there's like little shops, restaurants, breweries, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I feel like the breweries are a big part of the revitalization we're seeing. I agree. I agree. So this is pretty cool because... Joe and I met through a project, and uh, we got to talking. I actually visit the brewery over in uh, in Hackettstown. It was really cool. Was the name? It all starts with the name, right? Manskirt Brewing. And Joe, I got to ask you because I mean, I've heard all names of breweries. How did you come up with that name? Well, it comes from the kilts that I wear. There's a company out in Seattle called Utila Kilts, and I had some friends who are into Scottish reenactment and an ancient Celtic reenactment. And they were like, hey, Joe, there's this company. We have to get these kilts. And they're not traditional Scottish kilts in any way. They're okay. made of denim or like Carhartt-like materials. They have pockets and belt loops and keychains and hammer loops. And they're more like a skirt on a man. So <laughs> when uh, after I was homebrewing for a while, I wanted a, a fun name to put on the bottles. So Manskirt Brewing was born. I love it. Now, how many years have you been doing this? I've been brewing since 2008. Uh, Mansker Brewing was officially opened in October of 2015. We actually just passed our sixth anniversary yesterday. Congratulations. Oh, that's awesome news. Congratulations. That's huge. Now, I know a little bit about your background, right? So you actually come out of like Fortune 100 corporations. I think you worked with Intel. Then I think you even worked for the government at one time. Yep, absolutely. And then you left. <laughs> you left it all behind. Corporate America to start your own business. Talk to me about that. And, well, it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Oh, I, I could only imagine. Well, as you can imagine, as a computer programmer with 17 years of experience, that is a very nice salary. Absolutely. And benefits and, and all that that goes with it. But at the same time, for me, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My father owned a business back on Staten Island. And I always wanted to open my own brick and mortar to the public. And it was really time for me to get out of the corporate grind, stop being a cog in the machine, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> really do something. Trust me, I hear you loud and clear on that one. I still remember the day I made that decision. Not an easy one, no. and it was scary. Yes. 
But look at you now, man. No, I honestly, I, I don't regret a minute of it. So when did you actually know? Like, did something happen at work? Or did just or did you just always have that dream? Or like, how did it all start? Like, meaning the idea of brewing beer. It started. Well, I always had the urge to open my own business. I, I owned a computer business uh-huh. uh, doing electronic uh, hardware for a little while back in two thousand four. I believe, for about seven years. But I always wanted a brick-and-mortar business. And I was homebrewing in my basement. And I had a friend who was a chef who was taking my beer to his events. And people were asking him how they buy this beer. And now I know I have a good product because it's not just my friends looking for free beer anymore. Yeah. Now it's the public who doesn't know me trying to buy it. So wow. one thing led That's to exciting. another. That's exciting. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it, there's no feeling like it in the world. Take me a little bit through that process. Now, you're, you're homebrewing, right? Right. And you've got buddies out there that are, like, promoting your beer. People are loving it. They want to buy it. So what do you start doing? Well, the first thing you have to do is figure out how you go from homebrewer to professional brewer. And it's very... Well, that's a huge step. It's a tremendous <laughs> I step. I could only imagine. I've been to your facility. It's just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it's hard to know what to learn. It's hard to know what you don't know. You know, and it, well put. you can ask professional brewers and, and all those things. And the community is tremendously friendly and kind and, and that's helpful. But at the same time, it's there's a lot of information to figure out and you don't even know where to start. So let me ask you, I mean, you finally decide to go on your own. I mean, what did you have, like a, a business plan in place? I mean, did you did you have something like drawn out, to, you know, a game plan? I had an idea of how large a brewery I wanted to run, uh, and the business plan helped a lot with that. I couldn't have done any of this without a good business plan. I actually worked with a consulting company that awesome. did business plans specifically for breweries, and it was the best money I've spent. Oh, wow. Without a doubt. Awesome. Because that taught me how much beer I would need to make in order to be profitable and the size of the brewing system that I would have to have in order to make my time worth it. And I took that business plan and I shopped it around to bank after bank after bank who turned me down again and again and again yep. until I finally found one who was ready to take a risk on someone like me. I love it. And that's how we got started. No, but I love it because I, I always talk about the one thing you knew when, or, or you need in business, especially when you're launching a new company. Obviously, you need a good lawyer, a really good accountant, and you definitely need a good banking. Without a doubt. And you know what it is? Banks, and you know this, Joe. They love you when you're doing great. They don't know you anymore. They forget about you when you really do need them, you know? So that's why I always talk about finding great banking partners that understand your needs, your business, and who you are. Why? Because it's important that when you're doing well, continue to grow, increase the lines of credits. You know what I mean? That's the smart game plan. Absolutely. And that is how you can continue your growth. So, you know? Someone gave me business advice that's always stuck with me, uh, and, and it was take all the credit they'll offer you. That's absolutely the best <laughs> advice. <laughs> Repeat that again, Joe, because that is valuable advice to all these entrepreneurs out there listening to this today. Yes, take all the credit they will offer you. Awesome. So you launch this new project, right? You, you find a location in Hackettstown. So First off, how did you get the building? I mean, where were you searching? I was. Uh, it was a very long, I think it was about a year and a half wow. before I finally found a suitable property. You're still working though, cor- corporate, yes. right? Full-time, yes. okay. I, I worked full-time for probably about the first two years I was running the business. Oh, wow. And then I was able to quit, which is fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But the building was interesting because it's a place that I had looked at 
and it was for sale way out of my price range. And then I spent probably a year looking all over for other properties. And I finally came back to Hackettstown and there was that same building in foreclosure. No way. And so uh, my dad was looking for an investment property in New Jersey at the time. Yeah. And I was looking for a building. So it worked out beautifully. He came in and we bought the building at auction. That's awesome. That's exciting. Now, let me, th- that building, was that ever like a bank? It was. It was originally I know a bank. Yes. Yeah, because I, I, when I went in there, I thought it was so cool. It's got a beautiful, it's right on a corner. Oh, it, it, beautiful the, brick. The property is amazing. And yeah. you walk in, and in the back, there's like a vault, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There are actually three vaults. There's three a, vaults. There's the one giant one that you can see when you yep, walk right when in. When you walk right in. And there are two more hiding. I'm in telling the everybody listening to this podcast today, you got to take a ride to Hackettstown, New Jersey. You got to visit Manskirt Brewing Company. It really is awesome. And here, you know, I, we talked about this, right? I love wines. I enjoy beers. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm that beer guy that drinks all year round. But let me tell you, the beer I had at your facility that day, and I remember, I remember the name. All right, go ahead. Grisette. 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 That it was such an unusual phenomenal. Well, completely unusual, but it was delicious. I loved it. But I asked you, I said, oh, man. Are you going to continue making this beer? And you said, no. Nope. <laughs> so, nope. And why is that? I mean, mostly just to disappoint my customers. Oh. No, but in reality, it's uh, one of the great things about the craft beer movement is the variety yeah. that we see in the styles of beer. And I keep four beers on tap at all times. So yeah. people have something familiar to come home to okay. when they come to see me. But I just want to keep making so many different beers. And I only have so many taps to put them on. So I have, to, crazy, I have to rotate Joe. them. So how do you even, like, I mean, what are you, like a chef, you know, creating all these new flavors? Is that's, that how this I, works? Honestly, that's exactly what it is. is I, it? I create beer recipes based on how I want the beer to taste. So, you know, from my experience and a little bit of research online, I can get an idea of how to build a recipe so that the beer comes out how I want it to. Dude, that's amazing. And I asked you this the other day when we were chatting. I said, listen, what about any local breweries? Do you guys have similar types of beers? And you said, not really. No, I, Everybody has their own style. Exactly. There's a lot of overlap. Really cool. You know. Yeah, I could see like a, what, like, but, a, like a Pilsner or something. Yes, exactly. You know? But at the same time, like I focus on more traditional styles of beer. Some other breweries focus more on trendy beers that might be like smoothie beers or sours or that kind of thing. Everybody has their own specialty, and it's so cool as a consumer, as a, as a beer lover, it's so cool to be able to go to different breweries and have a completely different experience. I love that so yeah. much. I mean, that is awesome. I mean, you could just go not far from he, not not far from your location. There's a couple other ones, you know, and try their beers. I'm sure they're pretty good. I don't know. I, haven't I mean, they're not manskirt. You know, they're not manskirt. <laughs> Let me ask you this. As an entrepreneur, Joe, what one thing would you do different that you've learned in this whole process of launching your company? Well, for myself, yeah. uh, this may be a little more brewery specific, but if I were to do it all over again, I would do my research, have my ideas, but I would work at a brewery first. That's so my passion is brewing. Uh, I want to open a business. I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. Why not work for somebody first, get a little experience under my belt, see how the business runs, probably would have saved me a lot of time and heartache (laughs) in the long run. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But listen, God bless. You're doing great, man. Thank you. And that buoy is phenomenal. Thank you. It really is. Now, let me ask you, what about the pandemic? Did that really affect your business? It did in a lot of surprising ways, though. We were completely shut down, I think, for just a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, and then we were deemed an essential business. Yeah. So we were allowed to do takeout and delivery. 
Oh. So one of the great things about being a small-ish business and brewery is we can be very flexible and very nimble. Bingo. And I was able to completely change the way we do business, keep my entire staff on, and pay everybody. Oh, that's <laughs> important. And uh, live on takeout and delivery for a little while. Joe, you just said something that I have talked about in the past, including my own company. One of the things that allowed us to stay afloat and pay our employees and really pay all the bills is the fact that as a small business, we were so flexible that we were able to immediately just change the style, the way we do business to deliver the products that were needed during the pandemic. I'll be honest, if it wasn't for that flexibility of changing the way you do everyday business, we wouldn't be around. Oh, I totally agree. And I feel like that's a blind spot that a lot of entrepreneurs have is they feel like this is how I do business. And uh, if it doesn't work, then, oh, well, the business goes under. Yeah, they're they're just refusing to change with the times. Absolutely. Flexibility is key to success in small businesses. So that was that was good to know. Let me ask you, Hackettstown, awesome little community. How important to the business is your community? Oh, it's everything. Absolutely everything. We live on the support of our community. That's another big uh, reason that we got through the pandemic is Mm -hmm. the community really rallied and came to our aid and bought a lot of beer, (laughs) which was great. It's really cool. (laughs) And as you know, I I involve myself deeply in the community. You do. With the HRC. And uh, I'm also the president of the Hackettstown Business Improvement District. And, you know, getting involved in local politics and, you know. Good for you. It's, uh, it's, I feel like it's so important. I came from a small town in Staten Island, Tottenville, okay. where my dad had a business on Main Street. And it was just a community auto parts store. And I knew the names of all of our customers and every, all their awesome. dogs and their wives and kids. And it's, that's the kind of business I want to run. And I love that. Oh, I love just listening to this. Awesome. Awesome. I wanted to ask you, I was amazed when I was at your brewery, right? Again, I don't know the science behind it, but do me a favor. Take us through the process. Now, I was checking out some of your videos. You got a big following, by the way, on social media. Mm -hmm. Everybody out there, take a look at the Facebooks, Instagrams, follow Manskirt Brewing. Some really cool stuff that Joe puts up there. Some crazy stuff as well. And yes, if you do want to see him in a Manskirt, by all means, like those pictures. But take us through the process, because I noticed... Something you had said in one of the videos where you, you put your hand, I guess it, it almost looked like coffee beans, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was grain, I think. Yes. And you were like smelling the scent. And you said it all changes like through the process of adding more, adding less. It's, you know, it's such a specified formula, I guess, that you tweak, yep. you play with. So take us through the whole process. How does he, I, I, I go in there, someone who's not familiar with the whole process, and I just see these massive to me they look like 50 billion gallon tanks <laughs> first question is how the hell do you get them inside that place well, you tip them over on their side oh, and you come right in through the front door in fact oh that's funny i didn't think that yeah that's i, I, I honestly thought there. you had to do something like open up a wall because they're they're massive they are they're the big ones are about 500 gallons oh. they're pretty good size so how does it all begin so beer is made from four ingredients grain yeast water hops And I start with the grain, Mm -hmm. which is mostly barley. And you were talking about the different types of grain. So there are different types of grain and there are different styles of grain. The grain gets roasted in an oven. Okay. So if I want to make a light beer, I'll use grain that was only roasted for a little while. If I want to make a dark beer, I'll use grain that was roasted for a little longer. And you get those beautiful dark chocolate and coffee notes out of it. Nice. Because there's none of that in the beer necessarily. Yeah. 
but uh, you get those same notes because the grain is roasted in the same way that cacao nibs are or coffee beans are. Yeah, yeah. So I take all that grain and I add the hot water to it, which extracts starch from it, converts those starches into sugars. Natural enzymes in the grain just make that happen. Nature does that for us, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I take all that sweet sugary liquid and I boil it and I add the hops. Hops are a plant. Uh, they are completely beautiful. They, they're these very tall growing vines and they'll grow up to 20, 22 feet. And they add bitterness to offset the sweetness of the beer. So if you have a beer that's very bitter, like an IPA, okay, lots of hops in it. Wow. If you have a beer that's a little more mellow, usually less hops or different hops that have fewer of those bittering oils in them. But they give you all the wonderful flavors like grapefruit or um, some of them taste like pine trees or onion <laughs> or some of them taste like mangoes. It, it's amazing the flavors you can get from hops. It's the, crazy. The variety. It's a complete rainbow of variety. So now I have all this hoppy sweet liquid. Wow. And that goes into one of those big tanks we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And the yeast goes in and eats all that sugar. Just like you add bread yeast sure. to dough. Yep. It's going to eat the sugar, create carbon dioxide, which makes your bread rise. But in this case, the carbon dioxide, we just let it go off into the atmosphere because mostly we want the alcohol. So the yeast eats the sugar, turns that sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. And then when it's done, that takes, depending on the yeast, anywhere from a few days to many weeks. And then we cool it down. We add a little bit of extra carbonation to get the bubbles just right. And we put it in kegs. Holy shit. <laughs> It's a science. There is a lot of science. Well, all right. So let me ask you this. When you started out at home as a hobby, what was that like? Meaning, is this everything just reduced massively or? Uh, pretty much. Oh, I yeah. Mean, when I first started, it's homebrewing is one of those awesome hobbies that can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. Exactly. Being an engineer, I made it complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but when I first started, it was literally just a plastic bucket, like the kind you get yeah, from Home yeah, Depot, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pot to boil things in, and a few hoses. I mean, it was that simple. And I was making decent beer to start with. It wasn't fabulous, but it was beer. Got you drunk. And it tasted like beer. And it just, it really snowballed. The, the hobby got completely out of control and took over my entire basement. <laughs> and it was, it was just, it was super fun. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, it's just awesome to sit here across from you to talk about such a successful brewery. Because, you know, it's a, it's a hobby. M most of us that eventually start a company starts as a concept, starts as a hobby, starts as something, a passion that we may have. And then we, we take that risk. That entrepreneurial risk, right? We take that next, we cross that fine line, mm -hmm. right? And then the rest is hard effort, a lot of sacrifice, money. <laughs> a lot of money. Yes. Yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> stainless and, is not in And long days. Yes, sir. Yes, stainless. I could only imagine. I saw that video, by the way, that 18-wheeler pulling up to the front. Oh, <laughs> man. Was with the forklift. Yeah. That's why, that's why I had to ask you, how the hell did you get that tank in there? I didn't realize it was the front door. Yeah, Honestly, right God, I was like, how the hell? <laughs> well, there, it's interesting you note the forklift because we actually borrowed that from the other brewery down the streets at Meister <laughs> Brewing. He drove it on over and uh, he helped us out. It's a great community. Yeah, it really is. That's cool. Where, in God's name, do you come up with these names for these beers? I'm just going through the menu. And first off, how many beers do you have right now? I think we have 12 on tap right now. Wow. Yeah, the, the names are both the most fun and the most difficult 
part to do. June bug. June bug because IPA. We, it has juniper in it and we brew it in June. Okay. So juniper. Okay. Rocky's Modern White. Yes. That Rocky's Modern White and You Made Me Ink are the black and white IPAs that we just released this weekend as a pair. Oh, cool. And those were a lot of fun to name. So you may have noticed our mascot is an octopus. Yes. That's yes. Clyde. And it's- he was inspired by my octopus beer tattoo. <laughs> And so you made me ink was a little nod to uh, what was it Finding Nemo the little the yes. cute little octopus in there so <laughs> you made me ink right on yeah. I mean that's uh, our lawnmower beer on your right on gabagos <laughs> did I say that right yeah gabagos that one's a little nod to a little uh, sour the Jersey Italian yeah. heritage you know yeah give me that gabagool yeah common denominator the California common. Wow. Try to, you know, we are in a bank, so I do try to keep a bank theme going for some <laughs> of the beers, which is a lot and of fun. And what are the beers that you make all year round? What are their, I know you said a Pilsner, right? right? Check Pilsner, checks and balances. A yeah, good, I love that name, by the way. Thank you. Checks. I was very proud of that one. Yeah. A good, clean Pilsner is one of the greatest things in the world to me. It's, uh, it's like the brewer's beer. There's nowhere to hide. You just have to make beautiful beer and I, I get so excited about this beer it's just it's the most beer flavored beer that i make and it's uh it's probably my maybe my second favorite beer the great porter is my love my baby that is the first beer that i ever brewed oh. at manscript brewing oh i gotta have that now that's and, awesome uh, it's actually been our best seller really? surprisingly enough i did not expect a porter to be our number one beer but it is our wow. flagship uh, we always have it on tap we always have it in cans it is uh it's one of those beers that it is a dark beer, and it looks intimidating to a lot of people who are not used to beer, but it's so drinkable. It's not, if you've ever had a Guinness, they, they, yeah. Yeah, Guinness yeah, yeah, is yeah. a stout. It tends to have a little more sweetness. It can be a little heavier. Uh, the, the porter is, is a little more crisp and refreshing. That's why a porter is one of my favorite styles. Awesome. You don't see enough of them. i got to try that the next time I'm there. What about this last one here that I see, Imperial Imperial Progress. Progress. Yeah. So. English ales are some of my favorite beers. So Better Than Pants is one of our other flagships. It's a, an English mild or an English bitter, depending on who you ask. Yep. I don't like to use the word bitter in a lot of my marketing because it is, it's a trigger word for a lot of people. And they hear the word bitter right. and they freak out. Yeah. But uh, this beer is actually more sweet than bitter. It's, it's super drinkable, low alcohol. Uh, it's my, if I just want to sit down and drink five or six pints of beer, I'm going for Better Than Pants every time. <laughs> and the Imperial Progress is kind of his big brother. It's 8.5% alcohol, so about twice the alcohol. It's got a lot more hops in it, and it uses a hop called Progress Hops. That's where the name comes from, and it's a British hop that gives me a lot of tropical fruit flavors, a lot of mango, passion fruit. Love that. It's it's a beautiful beer, and that beer is interesting because it's an India Pale Ale, IPA, and those tend to be very polarizing. They tend to scare a lot of people because they they can be very bitter and unpleasant in a Mm. lot of ways, but uh, this one is interesting because despite being very hoppy and very strong, it's still very easy to drink. And it's converted a lot of people who tell me they don't like IPAs. And oh, I think that's super cool. That is very cool. Jeez, I, I, I need to spend, I need to get a hotel room near your brewery if I start <laughs> sampling all these beers. <laughs> a little tidbit of information, a fact that it was interesting. About two weeks ago, the president of Ecuador was uh, here, obviously, for all the meetings that they have, all the global heads of every country came in and United Nations well, we had a we had a dinner, or I'm not sure it was a luncheon, but at my table, I didn't realize this until later when I w- I, I realized I was sitting next to the CEO of Cerveceria Nacional. They are the la- one of the largest, actually, they are the largest Ecuadorian brewing company, 
And in the U.S., I think they're the owners of some of the major, they make some of the major beers throughout the United States, which I didn't know either. I learned. But huh. one thing they did say to me, which was fascinating, they said that in Ecuador, the reason that you'll never have a Pilsner as similar to that beer, it's because of the altitude that mm. they brew the beer in. And I, again, I am no scientist. I don't know anything. <laughs> they could have been even making this up. But I thought it was fascinating because they went into the process and they were explaining to me how it affects the process of brewing, you know, in, in mass producing beer. But it was pretty interesting. He said, you will never have a Pilsner like the one you have in Ecuador. And I was like, okay. I, I happen to like it. It's the number one beer in the country and I always drink it. Huh. So, but I figured I'd share that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I love that. That's fascinating. I know the water has a huge, yes. huge impact yes. on They did say do. that. Yeah. They definitely did say that. But I had never heard about altitude. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool myself. So listen, Joe, once again, I, I just want to, as we wrap this up, I just want to say thank you so much for coming out to our studios and, and really sharing your entrepreneurial journey into the world of brewing beer. And to all our listeners... Again, Manskirt Brewing at 144 Main Street in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And I'm going to throw Joe on the spot. And I'm going to say for any listener for T20E World that visits, give them the code T20E World to get 50% off your first beer. Is that a yes or a no, Joe? I can do that. All right. Thank I know you the so boss. That's okay. <laughs> you know the boss. Hey, listen, as we wrap up, Joe, I always ask all our guests, if you were to give one bit of advice to all the young entrepreneurs out there wanting to start something, what would that bit of advice be, Joe? Oh, this is, I've actually given this advice many times in the past. No matter how good you are at what you do, you could make the best beer on the planet. You have to remember that you're running a business first. And while the product is super important, being able to run the day-to-day -day of a business is crucial to your long-term survival. Awesome advice, Joe. I hope everybody just got that because it is dead on. And Joe, again, thanks for visiting our studios at T20E World. And to all our listeners, please give us some feedback. Ask more questions. What do you want to listen to? And with that, my friends, this is Joe Fisher of Manskirt Brewing and Hugo, and we are checking out.